If you have your Bibles with you, invite you to open the Scriptures and turn to Genesis chapter 11 as I read from verses 27 to chapter 12, verse 9. This is what God says. Now, these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abraham and Nahor took wives. The name of Abraham's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was barren. She had no child. Terah took Abraham his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abraham's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, and the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abraham took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abraham journeyed on, still going toward the Negeb. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Caleb, for reading God's word for us this morning. And it's, it's good to hear your voice and singing again too this morning. Greetings, my beloved family and friends in Christ Jesus and to our visitors who are visiting with us online, a warm welcome. My name is Oliver and I'm one of the pastors serving on the elders team here at Grace Baptist Church. Welcome to this online live stream of this worship service. This service is our last live stream only service. And next weekend, 21st and 22nd of August, God willing, we are opening our building for us to gather as church for in-person in worship service. So if you desire to return either on Saturday 5pm or Sunday 9am worship service, 
you can register on our church website starting from noon Sunday this weekend. We will still have concurrent live streaming for those who have reasons to stay home during this COVID-19 pandemic time. This sermon is also the last message in our sermon series, Foundations, which we covered uh, Genesis 1 to 12. From next weekend onwards, we'll start a new sermon series titled Hope. And as uh, Eugene uh, shared in the video clip just now, this series looks at the theme of biblical hope from 1 Peter and her backup. And in both these books, we will talk about believers who live and suffer as exiles in this hostile world. How then should we respond to our trials, sufferings and afflictions? It's great, right? We are gathering again as a church and we will start a new sermon series. So I hope to see you in, in person next weekend. Let us pray again as we prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. Father God, we pray in the words of the psalmist, open our eyes to behold the wonders of your Word. May we be changed by a stunning sight of your glory shown in Jesus Christ. Draw us, we pray, to turn from ourselves and to faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to trust in Jesus fully, living behind our confidence in false idols. Lord, we ask that you help our unbelief. Would you please give us this faith and help us to grow to Christ-like maturity so that as a church, we will be the church you want us to be as we display your glory to the nations. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My friends, we often struggle with spiritual forgetfulness. When suffering or affliction comes our way, we often turn to other sources of help as our first response. And this means we usually rely on ourselves or others to overcome these challenges. Or when the converse happens, when success and comfort comes, we turn to praise ourselves, thinking that all these benefits come through our own efforts. Turning to ourselves, turning to others, we turn away from God. We forget God in both suffering and success. We forget God's promises to us. What are then these promises of God we can turn to in faith when we suffer or when we face success? And when once we understand the riches of our inheritance in God's promises to us, what are we to do? How are we to respond as recipients of these promises? My friends, this is where we turn to today. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, to chapter 12, verse 9, as we see what are the promises of God we can turn to in faith and how are we to respond as recipients of these promises. Last week, Eugene preached on the record of nations and the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. We heard how a self-glory-seeking people tried to make a name for themselves by building a tower that reached heaven. God judged them for their pride and hubris. He confused their language and dispersed them over the face of the earth. In today's passage, rather than having the scope that covers all humanity, the focus is now on one family. As God continues His plan to rescue a people 
for a relationship with Him by providing a serpent-crushing Redeemer from the line of the woman's seed. So today we'll see how our faithful God continues His plan with another new beginning in Genesis 11, verse 27 to 32. And God does this with one family. And we also see God's promises and blessings to that one family in Genesis 12, verse 1 to 9. So keep your Bibles open to this passage as we see our faithful God who promises a reversal of the curse to Abraham and his offspring. Silence is a 2016 historical drama film directed by Martin Scorsese. It received a nomination for Academy Award for Best Cinematography. And, and this movie basically follows the Portuguese Jesuit priest, Father Rodriguez. Um, it follows him in, at that period of time in 17th century Japan during the suppression of Christianity uh, during the uh, rebellion, where the Shimabawa uh, rebellion, whereby Christians were persecuted. And as a result of these persecutions, many believers apostatized. And many became what they call hidden Christians. And the fall to Father Rodriguez's pro uh, protagonist was a Japanese convert named Kichi Jiro. He was a drunk, a coward and a repeat apostate. He continued to deny Jesus Christ. And throughout the story, Kichijiro not only denied Christ several times more, but betrayed Father Rodriguez and other Christians to the Japanese officials, either for money or simply to save himself. But the thing was, time again, Kichijiro returned and beg for the priest's forgiveness and for God's forgiveness. And this film ended with Father Rodriguez, Rodriguez, who himself also apostatized due to the persecution, forgiving Kichi Jiro, and returned once again, who uh, returned once again to plead mercy and forgiveness. Kichi Jiro had an opportunity to begin yet again. After humanity's sin at the Tower of Babel and God's judgment, our faithful God continues with another new beginning. Genesis 11, verse 27. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Abram Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Verse 27 starts with the pattern of the generations of. And this signals to the readers or the hearers of God's interaction with a new generation of humanity. We are introduced in this account to Terah, who fathered Abram, and who God later renames as Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And we first saw these names in verse 26, the verse just before this. And if you just turn back your Bible to the section just before, verses 10 to 26 of uh, the same chapter records the descendants of Shem, the son of Noah. With God's judgment of the rebellion at Babel, the question before us is if God is giving up on His plan of rescuing a people for Himself. 
And the answer is a firm no. Because we see that after reporting on Babel, the narrator gives the family history of Shem, the son that God, that Noah blessed in uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 26. Shem was the seed of the woman. And in 10 generations, he arrives at Abram in verse 26 of chapter 11. He's trying to tell us there that Abram is like, kind of like another Noah with whom God will make a new beginning. And verse 28 continues and gives us the family background of Abram. And the following verses which you see on the screen before you gives us some preliminary information which will be further developed in the story of Abram in subsequent chapters. So we see first in verse 28, Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in the earl, earl of the Chaldeans. Abram's brother Haran had died before the start of the story. And we were introduced to their homeland. They live in Ur of the Chaldeans, the country of the Babylonians, in what is now modern-day southern Iraq. Abram and his family worship pagan gods, stated in Joshua 24.2. Verses 29 and 31 continues describing Abram's family. And Abram and Nahor took wives, and the name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wives, Micah and Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Ishkah. And then we see it continues in verse 31, where it describes how Terah took Abram, Lot, Sarai, and they went forth from together from the Earl of, from Earl of the Chaldeans to go to the land of the Canaan. Land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So what we see in these verses, Abram married Sarai, which God later renamed as Sarah. And we see Abram's brother Nehor married Melchah, his niece. And Abram and his families, they were shepherds. So, and, and we see in these this, this verses that Terah took Abram and Sarai and, and Lot. And initially they made for Canaan in their wandering together with their flocks. But they did not make it to Canaan for reasons which the Bible does not explicitly mention. And finally, we see them settling in the town of Haran. And this section ends with the death of Terah in verse 32. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. This chapter closes on Terah with his death and begins with Abram in chapter 12. And as I read this, as I covered this and explained the text, you realize I skipped a verse, verse 30. You know, without verse 30, the narrative still flows nicely. So when we see something that's seemingly out of place in the text, we need to ask ourselves, why is the verse there for? So let's look at verse 30. Now Sarai was barren, and she had no child. We are told that Abram's wife Sarai was barren, and the couple had no child. This lack of offspring immediately presents a problem to the original hearers. 
we, we, see, we see in the genealogies that are given thus far in Genesis, they trace the line of the offspring of the seed of the woman. They showed that God had faithfully preserved the line of the seed of the woman. But without an offspring through Sarai, how could this line possibly be continued? How then can God's promise of a serpent-crushing redeemer from the seed of the woman be fulfilled? Something has to happen. God Himself has to intervene. And we see that God Himself provides the means to keep His promise to His people. And this plot line continues to develop in the life of Abram and Sarai in subsequent chapters. My friends, these verses show us the faithfulness of God to keep His promise. Even after the judgment at Babel, God offers salvation through a new beginning with Abram and his family. Our merciful God begins again. I just why I want to talk to my non-Christian friends who may be listening in on this online uh, worship service. You know, you may be exhausted and jaded by your repeated cycles of failures and, and you feel a sense, a weight of guilt from your wrongdoings. But I assure you, there is hope. God is faithful to keep His promise to you of rescuing you. And God calls this promise the good news or the gospel. And the following is a summary of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God is a holy and merciful God who is also our good creator. And we've seen this in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. He created human beings to be in relationship with Him. But human beings rejected God. We chose to go our own self-centered way, seeking to make a name for ourselves. We sin, as the Bible calls it. And because God is holy and ju just, He judges sin. We deserve God's punishment to fall on us. But God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place for our sins. And the very same God raised His Son, Jesus Christ, to life after three days, so that we too can inherit this eternal life. And the way to receive these blessings, we turn from our self-centered, self-glory-seeking ways. We turn to place our faith in Jesus Christ to save us. And my friends, if this is your desire, is this what, what you want, please feel free to speak to some of your friends who may be Christian, uh, Christians, or you can freely contact any of the elders and pastors here at Grace Baptist Church. Our email contacts are on the church website. What about those of us Christians who struggle with ongoing guilt about sin in their lives? Remember that our God, despite our sinfulness, our God is faithful to His promise to save and sanctify you. So do not wallow in your guilt being paralyzed by your morbid introspection. Remember God's promise given to us in a New Testament book, 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sin, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ask God for forgiveness and trust that God is faithful to forgive. Be encouraged of the freedom from the penalty of sin because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. 
God offers you a new beginning of following after Him in a relationship. God is a merciful God. Our God is merciful to offer new beginnings. Similarly, as believers who have uh, received forgiveness, who have received new be- uh, this new beginning, we should be willing to offer forgiveness and start afresh with others. So I urge you, my brothers and sisters at Grace Baptist Church, if you have offense with another person in the church, I urge you to take up your courage and approach the person to reconcile. Offer forgiveness and receive forgiveness and let your relationship begin afresh. Bloomberg Business Week writes of a Eugene Brown of California, that's him, this photo on the screen, who died alone without family in 2015. When the authorities entered the small house, they found the house clean but spartan. In one of the bedrooms, they found that Eugene had no bed, but slept on a form bed row instead. But it was what they found in the metal filing cabinet in the other bedroom that floored them. Eugene Brown was a very wealthy man. His neighbours, however, didn't know that and reported Eugene as someone who screamed and saved every penny. And he did not often show his generosity to his neighbours. Eugene had wealth stored in the filing cabinet. He had resources, but he lived poorly. But my friends, as believers, don't we sometimes live poorly as well? We give in to our sin and idolatry. We fail to live out God's purposes for us. We neglect the cause of the gospel. We live poorly despite having a wealth of spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, as Paul describes for us in Ephesians 1. And a large part of this reason is that we forget or neglect the wonderful inheritance that we have of God's blessing available to us in Christ Jesus. So what are these promises of God that we can turn to in faith? And we see here these stunning promises that God made to Abraham and his offspring and eventually fulfilled in Christ and to us in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Genesis 12, 1 to 3 tells us, And now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. God takes initiative to make himself known. Now the Lord said to Abram, But this new beginning, however, requires a significant test of Abram's obedience because we see in verse 1, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and from your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. The word of the Lord that called out all creation into being now calls Abram to go. But Abram has to make a complete break with his past. God called him to go and leave behind everything that is dear to him. You know, in our affluent Singapore society, we struggle to imagine the conflict that God's command, the Lord's command raises for Abram. Go from your country, very difficult. 
and from your kindred, from your family? Almost impossible. And your father's house? How could the Lord possibly ask Abram to leave his father's house, his immediate family? This was his very identity. His Abram, son of Terah. His father's house is his house. His father's goods are his goods. His father's gods are his gods. To leave home and to break this bond was a near impossible a demand made of Abram. And yet, the Lord commands him, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. To the land I will show you raises the stakes even further because nothing is certain here. God has not given a detailed plan that we as Singaporeans so love. You know, Singaporeans, we love before we make any decision to have a detailed plan, a strategy. God didn't give any of that. Abram is asked to trust that the Lord will lead him to be a favorable, to a favorable land with scant evidence given uh, for that. Except, except for the knowledge of who God is. Because we see in verse 2 and 3, as God gives His promises, God graciously reveals Himself. He shares to Abram what His character is like. So we see in verses 2 to 3, God graciously reveals His character as He gives a series of promises. Our faithful God takes this initiative to bless Abram, encourages Abram by giving him seven great promises. The first, I will make you a great nation. Second, I will bless you. God will show His divine favour upon Abram. Third, I will make your name great. So rather than the uh, folks in, in the account of the Tower of Babel, the people in the Tower of Babel who tried to make their own name great, God here promises to make Abram's name great. Fourth, so that you, Abram, will be a blessing. Fifth, I will bless those who bless you. And the one, sixth, the one who curses you, I will curse. And the final one, in you, in Abram, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Seven promises. Seven, number of perfection or completeness in Hebrew. So God's promises to Abram are complete. And five times this promises contains the word bless or blessing. This fivefold blessing continues the fivefold use of blessings in Genesis 1 to 11. As the Bible scholar Sidney Gradanus writes, God's fivefold blessing to Abram is the gracious counterbalance to the five curses against fallen creation and humanity. Blessings here refer to the reversal of the curse caused by the fall and not primarily to material wealth. Ultimately, this blessing will remove God's curse. The promises of land, nationhood, the presence of God, the blessing to the nations restore what man had lost through his rebellion. And this was recorded for us in Genesis 3 to 11. God's promises to Abraham expand from his promises for him personally. Great nation, bless you, great name will be a blessing. And finally, to the people around uh, Abram, to the climax, in you, 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. My friends, and, and we see that this final promise can be fulfilled only in Abram's great son, Jesus Christ, who will send out his followers to make disciples of all nations. Wonderful promises. But how could they possibly come true? Remember the mention of Sarai in Genesis 11.30? Take that first promise, I will make you a great nation. But Sarai was barren and she had no child. Moreover, Abram at that point in time when he received the promise was 75 years old. How could God fulfill the promises of a great nation to an old man with a barren wife? Or take the last promise, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. How could this ever come about? Lots of questions. Even accepting these promises requires a great deal of faith. But we don't hear Abram questioning God. We don't see Abram tossing and turning in bed, wondering what to make of the voice that he had heard. Abram was not recorded as having second thoughts. He has heard from God, who has graciously revealed himself through his promises. And this God, who has proven his character to be a faithful, promise-making, promise-keeping God. And that was enough for Abram. Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, which we read in our call to worship, tells us, By faith, Abram obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. So he went out, not knowing where he was going. Abram acted out of faith, not by sight. So he remains, as we see the subsequent verses, for Abram to act in obedience, putting his faith in God, whom Abram knows, even though he had questions and even though he did not know where he was going. My friends, Abram was asked to leave and go. And he sets a pattern for us believers. So we can ask ourselves, what do we have to leave behind to faithfully follow God instead? What are some comforts we have to leave behind to follow God faithfully? Good things like family, relationships, your vocation, even your security are part of God's good gifts to you. But good things can become ultimate things when they take a place in your heart and your priorities higher than God. They then become idols that demand our allegiance other than God. So what are some good things that we have to put in a proper place so that we can follow God faithfully? What are some fears we have to entrust to God and leave behind to follow God faithfully? And Abram, on hearing from God, left and went. Next slide, please. We see this in verses 4 to 5. So Abram went as the Lord told him, as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. And we are told that Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions they had gathered, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And said, they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan. Verse 4 simply writes, So Abram, Abraham went, as the Lord told him. 
God said, go, and Abram went. Simple obedience, just like Noah before him. Simple obedience to the word of the Lord. My friends, ask yourselves, are there any areas that God is calling for my simple obedience? No qualifications, no reasons otherwise, no justifications as to why not. If God speaks and reveals clearly, then the demand for us is to obey. We see in verse 5, the narrator informs us of the people who went with Abram. Sarai, Lot, and the people they acquired in Haran with all their possessions. They packed up everything and left. They did not leave something in reserve for when, when or if they returned. They, they, they are prepared to just leave everything behind to, to go where God tells them to go. And when they came to the land of Canaan, we see this at the last part of verse 5. The, the thing here is that if you look at the journey they had to take in this first part, it's almost a 650 kilometers journey. And the, the narrator of this portion of Scripture almost seems to hurry through this, this, uh, this narration. And, and you know, if you think about it, one, you can imagine how long the journey could, would have been with you know, the sheep and the goats and how dangerous it could have been. But the narrator rushes through this because the narrator's focus is lies elsewhere. In one sentence, he covers 650 kilometers. And then he takes the subsequent four verses from verses 6 to 9 to cover the next 120 kilometers of Abram's travel. Which means that he wants us to focus on what Abram does, on Abram's action in the land of Canaan. See verses 6 to 9, it covers Abram's actions in the land. And we see Abram acting in response to the promises. We see that Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So what we see here is, is verses 6 and the following verses, they detail Abram's travel in the land. Abram passes through the land from north to south and is a good land. Moses will later tell Israel, For the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land, a land of brooks and of water, of fountains and springs, flowing out into the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive tree and of honey. We see these described in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 7 to 8. It almost gives us a sense that this is another, it echoes, gives us an echo of another garden of Eden. But Abram's delight is short-lived because we see in verse 6, he, he reaches the land, the place at Shechem and the Oak of Moreh. The Oak of Moreh was where a shrine to the Canaanites was, and the Canaanites worshipped their pagan gods there. And you see in this verse an almost ominous note. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Canaanites, they were the descendants of Canaan. If you remember, these are the, the line of Canaan whom Noah had cursed in Genesis chapter 9, verse 25. We see that the land to which the Lord had led, led Abram is actually occupied territory by a cursed people 
the seed of the serpent. But even as we see this tension, this tension is quickly resolved. Because we see in verse 7, amid the land of the Canaanites, the Lord appears to Abram and makes a promise. To your offspring or to your seed, I will give this land. Verse 7. God is going to give this occupied land to Abram's seed. It will be their inheritance. And Abram responded to this gracious promise. He built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. Verse 7. In the center of the land of Canaan, in view of the Canaanite shrine, Abram erects the first altar to the Lord. And then we see Abram moving further south to Bethel. And again we see in verse 8, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And then finally we see in verse 9, Abram journeys on by stages towards the Nagib, which is on the southern border of Canaan. So, so why did the, the author here emphasize that Abram was journeying through the promised land by stages, building altars to the Lord right next to Canaanite shrines? My friends, I put it to you that Abram is acting out, trusting in the promise of God. He is consecrating the land and dedicating it to the Lord as if he already possessed the land. Noah, before Abram, had dedicated the cleansed earth to the Lord by building an altar to the Lord. Abram now dedicates the promised land to the Lord as if he had already obtained his inheritance of the promised land. The Lord will be worshipped and obeyed in this land. And the author of Hebrews, commenting on the action of Abram, tells us this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9 and 10. By faith, he went to live in the land of the promise, as, if, as in a foreign land, living in hands with Isaac and Jacob, as with him of the same promise. For he's looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. It tells us, the New Testament author tells us that Abram lived eagerly, anticipating the fulfillment of God's promises. Faith is trusting in the promises of God and uh, trusting in His promises, knowing God's character, knowing that God is faithful and that God will keep His promises. And then acting obediently in response to these promises. My friends, hear these stunning promises in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. And how then are we to respond as recipients of these promises in Christ Jesus? Quoting again from Sidney Gradonis, Abram prefigured his seed, Jesus. But one greater than Abram was here. And in Christ Jesus, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Jesus died to atone for the sins of the whole world. And in doing so, He extends salvation blessings to the world. After His resurrection, Jesus commanded His disciples to go therefore and make disciples of all nations. We see this in Matthew 28, 19. And this call still comes for us today. In fact, if you look at the Apostle Paul, he comments on the promises God made to Abraham, Abraham in Genesis 12, 1-3. And I'm, I've given you this quote from Galatians in your ministry guide. Let me just read that for you. And the scripture 
foreseeing God will justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abram, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. Do you get that? Paul is saying that Genesis 12, 1 to 3 points to or prefigures the gospel. So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, as according to the promise. We see this in Galatians chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, verse 14, as well as end of the chapter, verse 28 to 29. So what Paul tells us is this. He tells us that Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is in seed form, the gospel. It foreshadows the good news of Jesus Christ. Because believers in Christ, spiritual children, spiritual heirs of Abraham, we are blessed in Christ. We are heirs according to the promises in Christ. In Christ, blessing comes to us, Gentiles, through faith. In Jesus, all the nations shall be blessed. And as God calls Abram and later Israel to be a blessing to the Canaan, to Canaan, Christ calls His church to be blessing to all nations of the earth. How? By proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of all nations. The salvation promise, blessings that come through Christ is available to all who put their faith in Jesus Christ. You know, imagine being partners with Christ in being a blessing to the nations by telling others of the good news of Jesus Christ. What a grand, glorious mission that is for us that God calls us to. As we think about this, my friends, ask yourself, how have I been faithfully stewarding the blessings of the gospel in this season? You know, I, I know we are in unusual COVID-19 season and we are right to socially distance and take precautions. But amid these challenges, believers, we should receive, not only receive God's blessing with gratitude, but we ought to steward them faithfully by proclaiming the gospel and making disciples of all nations. Bringing all people into a relationship with our living God through redemption. Have we then been seeding the gospel in our areas of relationship? Have we been faithful in our stewardship of the gospel? And especially as we remember Grace Baptist Church 62nd anniversary today. You know, we thank God for His faithfulness over the past 62 years. We remember the salvation blessing we receive as faithful men and women responded to God's promises and God's call and proclaimed the gospel and made disciples among us. Remember Miss Laura Amelia Clement and Miss Dorcas Lau, Southern Baptist missionaries or what they call Bible women who shared the gospel and made disciples in Singapore after having been forced to leave China. 
Remember the first pastor of the, the, the uh, initial uh, Grace Baptist Church. Remember Herbert Holly, Howard Hawley and his wife, Frances Hawley. They labored in gospel work in the early days of Grace Baptist Church. And of course, we remember Dr. Paulson. He faithfully taught and preached God's word, evangelizing and making disciples. Many others in our history have labored and served for the sake of the gospel. They responded to God's promises by their faithfulness to the cause of the gospel. And then now, on our 60th, second year, as Grace Baptist Church. What about us, Grace Baptist Church? Will we stand with the long line of faithful witnesses and say that we have been faithfully stewarding the blessings of the gospel? I urge us then, let us faithfully proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and make disciples of all nations so the blessings of God can be extended to the nations. Let us pray. Father God, we stand in awe of the blessings promised to us through Jesus Christ. Thank you that we who trust in Jesus Christ inherit incredible salvation blessings and have, have possessed this spiritual inheritance. Lord, we thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, we ask that we be faithful in stewarding the blessings of the gospel. Will you help us as we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and seek to make disciples of all nations for the glory of your name and for the good of all peoples. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.